everybody? We all doing okay? Okay, I know that um, the Christmas carols, if you work in, like I talked about this last week, about retail and how they really get to you, but have any of you been listening to any of the new Christmas songs that have been written by some of our Christian artists recently? Yeah, a few of you? They are beautiful. They're just fantastic. Um, I'm sure if you Googled, you know, new modern Christian songs, Christmas songs, um, uh, you would just, they'd all come up. But Chris Tomlin has written this one uh, song called Noel, and it's beautiful. Um, and he has uh, gotten Lauren, how do you pronounce her last name, Daigle, I think is how you pronounce it, to sing it. And she's like the current it girl in America um, uh, for uh, gospel music at this point in time. But um, there's, in the, in the chorus, it, um, it goes a bit like this. It goes, um, Noel, Noel, come and see what God has done. Noel, Noel, the story of amazing love, the light of the world is given for us. Noel, and it's got this gorgeous haunting sort of minor melody and musical background going underneath it. And the line that really caught my attention in this song, each time I listened to it, was the story of amazing love. This story of amazing love. And this time, at this point in time in our calendar year, this is all about Jesus' story. His story of amazing love for us. Um, uh, often when we think about, you know, amazing love, we close our eyes, we think it's actually about the perfect love story. Everything working out, just, it just is all amazing and like the sun is shining and everything's perfect. There's no huge bumps. There's no massive failures where somebody's heart gets broken. No, it's happily ever after for every single person. Hmm. This is Jesus' amazing love story. His life his love, his sacrifice, him choosing to give up his freedoms and what he knew to come and live on planet earth so that we would get to know freedom. It's amazing. And he said to me as I was thinking about today and, and what, what to share, what to say, and he literally, it was like he was sitting right beside me and he said, tell them about me. It's like I, I just dropped and tell them about me and tell them to keep it real. So those are the two things that I'm going to talk about. So he wanted you to know, it's like he said, I came into this world as a child, as a babe. I came here vulnerable, tiny. I needed to be looked after and in not so perfect circumstances. And then he reminded me of his not, some of his not-so-perfect circumstances of his life. One, he was illegitimate. His mum was not married. 
And in fact, she was pregnant not to the guy that she was um, her fiancé. They claimed it wasn't his. So there was a stigma back in his day around that. Lots of whispers, lots of talking about the growing bump of his mum. In fact, if Joseph had wanted to, he could have called Mary out and she would have been stoned for doing what? Saying yes to God and agreeing to this process that she went to to carry baby Jesus. He was born into an occupied country where there was a paranoid king who heard about a baby being born that was going to be king as well. And so what did he do? He issued a decree that said, we will exterminate all baby boys in the Israel nation. So he knew what it was like to be born into an occupied country. Would this time be celebrated as savior of the earth, savior of the world, or be overshadowed by these circumstances of these cruel deaths of these innocent children? He knew what it was to actually have to move around a lot. He was always like the new kid on the block. His parents had to flee because they did not want him killed. And he got raised in Egypt. He knew what it was like to be in a different country and not quite fit in. His earthly dad was absent when you read about it in the Bible, probably in his teenage years. So he knew what it was like to not have an earthly dad. So that means he knew what it was like to be raised by a solo mum. You never really heard about his extended family. His, one, his mother's cousin, Mary, she was much older than um, Mary was, and she lived far away. So there wasn't like extended family in and around his life that they could lean into and rely on. Can you imagine, for those of you that have siblings, having an older sibling that is like a goody-good, like always makes the right decision, always does the right thing, like never puts a foot wrong, I can imagine there would be some sort of tension there around Jesus being so nice and kind all the time. He had a cousin who was also his friend who was jailed. And then all because of the whim of this king who jailed him, um, a, a whim of his for his daughter because she danced beautifully before him, John the Baptist was beheaded. He knew what it was to lose close family under cruel circumstances. He knew what it was to experience a lack of support by his close group of friends. One of his friends committed suicide. He knew betrayal. She wants to preach with me. <laughs> it's good. She's taken after you, Caleb. New betrayal from his best friends, from his tight three, abandonment. And the time when he needed them to stand up for him, they backed right away. He encountered an unjust law system, both within um, his wider circle, like his cousin, but also for himself. He was tried, beaten, questioned, and condemned, even though he had not broken a law. 
And he also knew what it was like to have the people influences within his own people group and within his own religious system as well. Try to twist his words. Talk about him behind his back. Try to pull him down. So if you've had some difficulties in your life, Jesus said, I want you to know I can relate to you. I can, and you can relate to me. Then he said, wait, it wasn't all bad. I had a mum and a dad who loved the God, who raised me to love God, who knew how to model faith, model risk, model belief, even when they didn't understand everything. They modeled that to me. I was blessed and prayed over as a child by the influences of my day who prophesied about my purpose and my life. I had friendships, deep friendships, amazing friendships with people that I journeyed life with deeply, people who supported me and loved me and believed in me, financed me, housed me, fed me, looked after me, championed me. And I had encounters with Papa, Abba, God, at my baptism, and he spoke and called out my identity over me. He said, this is my son with whom I am well pleased. As a human, he heard his father speak to him like that, just like he speaks to you and I. And he knew what it was to be filled with the Holy Spirit, to have the Holy Spirit come in and fill him and empower him and be his strength and his courage for the days that were to come. Gosh, Jesus is saying, I can relate to you, and you can relate to me. Oh, then he said, <laughs> quite literally, it was just like, a he said to me, keep it real. Huh, so I'm crying. Okay. Um, uh, he, and he, he was like really specific. He said, the things that I'm going to say to you are for specific people in the service. So I want you to open your heart and lean in because he's coming alongside and wanting to talk to you today. Keeping it real, R, he is calling us to risk, to risk believing that he is who he says he is, who he says he is. I am Jehovah Jireh, your provider. In the word it says, seek first the kingdom of God and all these things will be added unto you. He's saying he knows how to look after you. He knows how to take care of you. You can trust in him. He is your provider. He is Jehovah Elohim. He is your power. He is power. In Genesis, it talks, that's the beginning of the Bible, in the very first book of the Bible. It talks about how he was over the chaos and he spoke into the darkness, and out of darkness came light. And he was saying that if you are experiencing chaos in your world right now, if you are experiencing darkness in your life right now, that he can speak light out of that. There is nothing that is too black that his light cannot actually step out of. I love that. It steps, it's not like it overcomes, but it steps out of that. He is within and can bring out light in your circumstances. He is Jehovah Shalom. This is often what we crave at this time of year in the chaos. He is peace, harmony, completeness, prosperity, and tranquility. 
when we learn what it means to rest in him and not try to do it ourselves, we discover this truth. He is also Jehovah Rapha. He is healer. In James, he says, this is in the New Testament, um, in the book of James, it says that he took our sins when he went to the cross as his own, and by his wounds we are healed. He knows how to heal us internally, and he knows how to heal us externally. He is our healer. He is Jehovah Nissi. He is our banner. It's like his proclamation to the heavens saying, you are mine. You belong in my family. And he declares it to all the heavens. His banner over you is love. He is Jehovah Ra. I'm not quite sure how you pronounce that, but you know, there's lots of dashes and lots of A's. He is the way. <laughs> he is the sh our shepherd. He says to us that he knows our pathway. He knows the steps that he wants to point out to us, and he will do that. He will do that for us. So he's calling you today to risk believing I am who I say I am. The second one is embrace. He's calling you to embrace him, to embrace him. When he said that to me, it reminded me of John and I when we first got married and we had um, arguments. Uh, of course, some of you don't argue, you just have discussions, um, maybe heated discussions, but John and I would have arguments. And um, uh, we decided really early on that actually our arguments, whether um, uh, we were one was wrong or one was right, you know, and or whether once somebody had been offended or been hurt by each other, um, uh, that it always took two to have a disagreement. And so that it would always, we would committed to actually both saying sorry for specific things, not just general, oh, I'm sorry, but for the specificness of either continuing the argument or having a bad attitude about when something happened, but we would both commit to saying sorry. Well, we did that, but we soon discovered that words actually don't necessarily, um, you can just say words. So then we added that we actually needed to embrace one another and mean it. So that could take a while sometimes. <laughs> but embrace is heart to heart. Embrace is emotive as well, there's a connection that we're willing to go to where it's beyond words, but it's a heart connection. And this is what God is calling you and me to, this heart connection to embrace him because he wants heart to heart. He doesn't want religion. He doesn't want just good behavior. He wants heart to heart. He wants this embrace with you. So E, embrace him. He's calling us to walk into his arms that are already wide open, already wide open. A, authenticity. He knows you, and believe it or not, he is fully invested into you. He is not turning away. He is not abandoning you. And you need to know that you are never, ever alone. He is all in. Nothing of himself does he withhold from you. Nothing. So be fully authentic with him is what he's asking. 
fully authentic with him and then with others. Authenticity is the doorway to wholeness. This is what he meant for us. This is what he meant for us to walk with one another. I love this about God. God is so into being authentic. Have you read the Bible? Like, have any of you, like, read some of the Bible? Yeah? Yeah? Okay. Have you noticed what he leaves in about people? (laughs) I hope so. (laughs) Yes. He is so into being authentic and real. You know, one of the guys that he called the father of faith, his name was called Abraham, and Abraham means the father of nations. And he'd given Abraham a promise to him and his wife, Sarah, that they would have a child. Now, the unusualness of this is that Abraham was old, like real old. And so was Sarah, like they were well beyond having babies. But this was the promise from God. Now, Abraham is called the father of faith, right? But he wasn't always so full of faith. In fact, he took matters into his own hands and had a baby with his wife's maid and had a son that way, thinking he'd help out God. You know, I can help you out. I know you promised through Sarah, but I'm just doing this because this will help. But God still called him the father of faith. Isn't that astounding? Then there was this guy called David, and he was even a king of the, of the nation of Israel. And he's called the man after God's own heart. Isn't that stunning? The man after God's own heart. But he did not always do what was on God's heart. He lusted after a woman that was married to somebody else, then called her to him, got her pregnant, and then arranged for her husband to be sent out to the front lines so he would end up dead, so she would be free to be with him. And yet, God still calls him the man after God's own heart. Isn't it astounding? You know, he didn't Photoshop their lives. He didn't use a filter. He didn't crop it in to take out all the yucky stuff, all the bad and the ugly things that went on. He wants us to know he is not afraid of our mess. He's not afraid of your mess. He wants to show us how with him we can clean up our mess. And being authentic, when you read stuff like that in the word of God and you're like, oh man, really? And God still calls him man after God's own heart and he still loves him and he still uses him and he still has this amazing plan for his life. Authenticity leads us to confession. We feel it's actually okay. This is okay then, God. I can actually be real with you about what's really going on in my life. Confession is where you know that you've messed up and you own it. I did this and it hurt others. And this needs to lead to repentance. This needs to lead from beyond just declaring that we know where we messed up. This is what forgiveness and the cross is all about. What Jesus did for us. And repentance is, I don't ever want to do that again. I don't want to go down this track anymore. I don't want to be like that anymore. And the fruit of that The results of that is being willing to put things right. 
apologizing to the people you need to apologize, making things right financially like John had to when he stole the baseball mitt as a child, going and putting things right, no matter how many years later it is. We're sorry. We get to clean up our mess. We get to clean up our mess. My mind at that point when God was talking to me leapt immediately to irritable bowel syndrome. Don't ask me why, okay? It was just like, oh, yeah, that's a little bit messy. And then he said, what about irritable spouse syndrome? And I was like, what? Don't you hate it when, like, God calls you out on something? I was like, excuse me, like, pokey pokey. And, uh, but it's so true. I can be like that, eh, babe? Irritable, don't, you don't have to agree publicly. Um, <laughs> how many of, else of you are like, oh, no, no, I won't ask that question. Um, <laughs> irritable spouse syndrome. Oh, my goodness. Here's the deal. I can't blame my reactions and my feelings on John, even if I do find what he's done irritable, you know, irritating. I can't blame my feelings and my emotions and my response on him. They're all up to me. I actually get to decide how I think and how I feel. They're actually my responsibility, how I think and how I feel and how I respond. I'm in charge. It's such a blow when you realize that. It's so much easier to blame, isn't it? So much nicer. So I feel so self-righteous when it's all his fault, you know. But confession, confession is when I'm like, Actually, this is wrong of me to be reacting like this. Repentance is when I say, oh, I actually don't want to be like this. This is destroying our relationship. This is caustic. This is not good. This is not healthy. And restoration, well, that's, that's when I actually figure out why I do my knee-jerk reaction first rather than learning how to respond and being able to talk to John about the things that I might find irritating. You know, confession breaks the power of sin, but repentance connects me to the power of grace. And we all need that. We all need that. And then, of course, there's L in real, lavish love. God is calling us to a deeper awareness of this in him. Being real has to be wrapped up in lavish love, risking believing he is who he says he is, stepping into his embrace, and learning what it means to walk in authenticity actually has to be wrapped up in lavish love. Otherwise, we'll just be clanging gongs and we will hurt each other. Lavish love. It begins with us receiving from God and having a fresh and deeper revelation that he loved you first. Before you did anything good, he loved you first. I am loved, deeply loved. You know, there might be someone here that actually has only ever known about baby Jesus. You've only ever known about Christmas and this baby in a stable and the jingle bell story and that kind of thing. But you've never experienced 
grown up with Jesus. You've never experienced or gotten to know that this God actually wants you to be real with him, that he's actually tangible in your world, in your life. And you want to start the journey of actually getting to know him, this Jesus, and you want to walk into this season knowing that you are embracing being real, embracing experiencing his love, and even better that Jesus is actually helping you clean up your mess. I just want to create space and time for you to be able to say yes to him. So could we just have every head bowed for a moment? And if that is you, you're wanting to actually take the step for the first time, could you raise your hand and I'd love to be able to pray with you. Um, Excellent. Everyone can open their eyes. Now I would like to actually give an opportunity also to those of you that God has actually been speaking to your heart about what I've been talking about today. That he has said to you that he's come alongside you and he wants you to know that actually the way that you entered into this building today, that you can exit differently because you've had an encounter with him. Um, can I have the music team just come up? Um, they're going to be playing a song called Reckless Love and God's love for us, over us as we're going into this next place. And I just, I really want to create opportunity now for ministry for those of you that are like, I want to go deeper into being real with God. I know that he was speaking to me really specifically about that stuff to do with authenticity or I really know that he was speaking to me in my heart about actually being embraced by him and letting myself get closer. I also want to say that um, he spoke to me and he said, someone here has been so disappointed, deeply disappointed. You're a Christian, you know him, but you've withdrawn from the river of life. Because it, it's like the wound is so, it feels so fresh and of the disappointment, even though it's not fresh, but it still feels so fresh that when anything touches it, when the water of God touches it, it you, it's like it's heightened. You're so aware of it. And he's actually saying to you, would you come home? to be able to pray with you. So would you like to stand with me? And I'd like to give you the opportunity to come forward so that um, we can actually gather around you and support you. Um, 
responding to the God's call of it being real in your world and your life or whether you're responding to that word that I just had. Um, so we can gather around you and pray for you. Um, you are not alone. You are not alone. Uh, direction, give direction. So <laughs> um, uh, don't wait for the whole song to go through and then come forward. We would love to be able to pray with you during the midst of this. So the song really is like a washing over you of prayer and really declaring God's commitment over you afresh this morning. So, um, yeah, feel free to come forward. And could we have, like, the elders and some of the um, small group leaders to come forward as well so that you're here ready in the front just to be able to pray for people when they come down. That'd be great. Oh, cool.